Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza. Liza, I thought we would tackle today a difficult topic. It's in the media a lot, and it's one that we as family lawyers are dealing with a great deal, Mm -hmm. either peripherally or centrally through a case. And this is the domestic family violence issue that's sort of something of a scourge in terms of its media content. I thought we might go through, from a Queensland practitioner's perspective, so these are the laws that we're talking about, predominantly in Queensland, although... It's a lot pretty of, much the same everywhere. Yeah, I've found. it's it's pretty well mirrored in the other states and territories. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's kick off. What is domestic and family violence? What does it mean? Well, um, the definition is that it's a pattern of behaviours intended to control or establish um, establish power or cause fear by one person against another. So. Um, for the lay people out there and those who sit there and go, well, what does that exa- exactly mean? It's not just always physical. It can be non-physical as well. So things like um, psycho- psychological um, abuse, like intimidating behaviours, um, financial abuse, coercive control. Um, that, you know, that's so obviously something which we hear of, of a little bit more. I'll talk about that later, yeah. coercive control. But yeah, so it, it incorporates a whole heap of things. So basically anything that... Any sort of behaviour that's going to is likely to cause some fear mm. or apprehension, and it's really important that it's not necessarily what the person um, who is doing that is who is um, perpetrating that sort of um, behaviour. Um, that doesn't matter what they intended to do. It's about the effect that it's having on that other party. So, so it's really tricky. Somebody might then be oblivious about the behaviours that might yeah. be part of their personality traits. Yep. But still, the other person on the side of that equation is going to find it oppressive. That's right. Fearful. Okay. So it's it, it's a very tricky area. Now this is in Queensland. We, we, we have a particular Act of Parliament, which is the... In your ears back, it's the Domestic and Family Violence Protection Act 2012. Uh, just we'll call it the Act for the mm-hmm. purposes of today. Um, and obviously, as with all of our podcasts, this is just about information out there. If you've got any specific and urgent legal issues, contact a family law solicitor. If you're in any danger, contact the police. I would say those things. This is just some general information we're talking about today. So. Domestic and family violence, it covers a whole array of behaviours and it can almost be anything in the it context can. of that relationship. So, so it can be even even things like posts on social media um, and it can be things ab- about people on social media. It doesn't necessarily have to be, because as long as that is su- in some way communicated, it might be a threat mm. um, that's advertised on social media. Or uh, And I know that there's going to be a peop- people out there who say, oh, well, they've got their own controls and things like that. But sometimes things don't go through. Um, and don't get um, filtered out. And so things can get um, publicised in a way that's quite damaging and quite and makes it, um, for that person that it's about, it can be quite, fe- like they can be quite fearful. Mm. No, it, it, it's, a sl- it's such a broad-ranging sort of category of behaviours. 
it, it even includes, and I have seen this uh, in, in court, court pleadings as well, it even includes going to court. Yeah. It, it can be where somebody is deliberately using the legal system to oppress the other person. It might create mm. them some financial pressures. It certainly creates emotional and stresses in people when you're being sued for something. But it, it's a very hard thing to get the balance right because, of course, somebody might have to go to court in order to be able to get, for example, if there's a couple that's separated mm. and one person is refusing contact, maybe because they're perfectly legitimately afraid of that person, so you have to stay. Well, we've got to sort out our finances, and you're ignoring what do we? What do I do? So if you file proceedings, that can be characterised, and I have seen it classified as this and argued in front of a judge. I've, that I've is, argued that plenty of times, particularly yeah. where you've got a party who just won't give up. Um, you know, and you might have parenting cases, mm. and um, and it's alleged that the husband, one in particular, I remember um, a couple of years ago now. Husband was alleged to have perpetrated um, physical and verbal violence, as well as emotional and financial abuse, mm. on the um, on the mother, and also indirectly um, and exposed the children to that violence. Was uh, so by doing it in front of the kids. Um, yeah, I mean, in family law context, that's a big no no. Yeah, so in front of children. So, and then what happened was, despite all the evidence that was just mounting up against him, saying no, he hasn't changed his ways. The family reports um, that, and um, he wasn't prepared to settle. He wasn't prepared to resolve the financial proceedings that were attached to it. He just kept insisting that he wanted to have time with these kids, even though there was um, the children's lawyer was against it. The family report writer was against it. There was pretty damning findings about the historical abuse that had gone on, yet he still insisted. And one of the first things that came out of the judge's mouth when we went to trial on it was that he said, this better not be a perpetration of further abuse on the mother. I've read the papers and if it is, I will be, and you know, they directed it at counsel for the other side. Right. If it is, I will be watching very carefully every single question that is put into every single answer. And the judge really cracked down on it. And I thought it was really, really great to see um, that someone, you know, had, and I know that from an appeal point, they might go, ooh, whoops, overstepped mm. the mark there. They've you know, formed this preliminary view. Gosh, but there was, but there was a, yeah, but there was a, a real basis, though, I thought. For um, the judge saying those things and saying, "Watch yourself. I'm not going to let this be just further abuse and mm. make put the mother through the ringer." Um, and plenty of people do that. They because the, there's the financial cost of going to a trial, and so it really is. It, it's a it's a tough one to to try and work out whether or not this is actually abuse or if this is just someone. Um, trying to stand up for their rights yeah, for a fair it, trial. And everything really will turn on its own facts. So if you're not sure, then do get legal advice mm. before you embark upon some sort of conduct like that, even even going to court. There yep. are, I mean, as, as we've talked about in other podcasts these days, many um, opportunities to resolve things before going to court. You're positively encouraged to do that. You don't need to be communicating directly with an ex. You can mm. just do that all through a third party. If you don't want to engage solicitors, then contact a mediator and go through that way. But, can I just, uh, but be can very I just on that, just um, raise a myth that I, I see a lot. They just People are very quick to say, oh, there's an allegation of domestic violence, therefore we can't mediate. Mm. Most family law mediations are done via a shuttle mediation, meaning that yeah. you're in different rooms. You don't see each other. 
You even organise your toilet times and your and your lunch times so that you're not passing yeah. each other in the corridors. There's no interaction. And of course, we do so, a lot of them by video now as well. That's right. So. I, I hear it a fair bit saying, oh, no, we can't mediate because of the fear of, of the violence. And I mm. think, well, in a way, I kind of think that by mediating, you're removing um, that ability of, of them having that control. You know, if, you, if you're able to reach an agreement that day, well, the control stops. Yeah, it all ends, doesn't it, if yeah. you can get things documented properly. But yeah, anyway. you, I, I do see, like you, a lot of Section 60i certificates, which mm. is a slip of paper that a mediator has to give before you're allowed to start parenting proceedings, saying that wasn't suitable for mediation. And the background to that is that there's some allegation of domestic violence. But it ought not to stop you from resolving the legal problems. In, in fact, the longer you leave things unresolved, the worse things will get. And the mm. more, whether it's coming from the other side or through the processes themselves, it's it's an oppressive and difficult thing to go through a court. So... Get things resolved quickly, as is always our general advice. Yep. Let's go back to the um, domestic violence um, situation from a, a, a process point of view in Queensland then. So mm. how would you go about using the Domestic and Family Violence Protection Act? So... What are so some of the terms involved in that? So we've got an aggrieved who is... Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Person. So um, the aggrieved. So you're when you're applying for a domestic violence order, um, you have what's called... There's always an applicant, mm-hmm. um, and that's sometime, sometimes that's the police because they will make the application for you. Mm-hmm. Other times it will be you, the person who's the complainant. And, the, and you, as the applicant, are often um, if you, the, also the aggrieved. Now, the aggrieved is the person whom the complaint is made against. Uh, sorry, that, um, that, sorry the I've done it the other way. <laughs> uh, you're the one who's complained um, and, and made the complaint. So you're the one who's been affected by the violence, um, who says that they've been affected in some way or another. So sometimes um, you'll have an aggrieved, but there'll also be additional named persons, and that might be a child of the aggrieved as yeah. well. Or, or a partner or something Or a partner like or yeah. something like that. So often on the, if you can have team aggrieved and, and the other team is team respondent. Now that's the person who has, is alleged to have um, committed the act of violence. And so that um, is often a spouse um, or, a, or it's usually a spouse of some sort. It's not really... It's, it's a relevant relationship, it's a relevant, isn't it? Yeah. And that, that could be a de facto couple that have split yep. up, that are still together. It could be a married couple that have split up, that are still together. It could be a couple who've had an intimate relationship but or it could be a carer that, relationship. Right. It has it? to be, there has to be that relationship there, though, in order for there to be a, this domestic and family violence yep. Um it's not for strangers who fall out with no. one another or f- you know, for colleagues at work or anything like that. No. I mean, heaven forfend that we would fall out in that such terms. <laughs> and if, any, if sending yeah. somebody badgering them with emails is, a, is an offence under the Act, then I think we're going to be I'm terrible I'm pretty sure, yeah, there. I was going to say, um, I'm, in, I'm in a hell of a lot of trouble with you, Alex, then, if, that's, <laughs> if that's the test. If only I, I got the chance to read my emails or indeed the inclination to do so. Right, now, let's think about some specific types of um, offences. Now... The Domestic and Family Violence Act mm. in Queensland, or Domestic and Family Violence Protection Act, to give it its name, gives some examples as to exactly the okay. sorts of behaviours. And this is this is under Section 8 of the Act. So yep. maybe you could run through a few of those. Okay, so um, the first and the most obvious one is the physical, like a, a physical act of violence. So in that sense, you're talking about causing a personal injury mm. um, to a person or threatening to do so. So, for example, I had a... a uh, uh, it was a criminal matter a few years back now, 
and my client was charged with an assault mm-hmm. um, because she threw her coffee cup, not her coffee cup, sorry, she threw the coffee out of her coffee cup mm-hmm. in the direction of the other party. Now, it didn't make any contact with uh, the other party. It caused them to apprehend harm, though. Yes, it did. Assault. And that was... and that. Um, qualified as an assault mm-hmm. and because of course you don't know as the other person you don't know if that's hot coffee it could burn them they don't know what else is in it they, they could be throwing the whole cup um you don't know and that is why it's the focus is on could how too much sugar in it <laughs> the, the focus is on the um how that act or um whatever it is that's going on that incident is received as opposed to the intention it doesn't matter that you didn't intend yeah. for it to to spill out goes back to matter. what you were saying first. It's how it how that behaviour is perceived by the yeah. person on the wrong end of it. Yeah, that's that, right. That's whether it defines it. So and of course, it can be assault like that. Yeah. At the same time, it's an offence under the or, or it's a categorisation. Right. Sorry, I should say, of domestic vi- and mm. family violence. Okay. So uh, that's so that's, that's a, one. So that's the yep. ob- the obvious one is giving somebody a bit of a tickle up. Yep. Um, the next one is like coercing a person to engage in sexual activity or attempting to do so. Interesting one there because, of course, um, you know, there's been much said in the media about um, proving those sorts of cases. And again, um, these things, they run concurrently with the possibility of it being a criminal offence as well. I mean, some of these behaviours that we read about, sadly, in our our professional lives, and they're dreadful things that we read about. And other things, you don't quite know whether they're truthful or not, but... It's again. It's about the apprehension, and the judicial officer will have to make that call. And and in a and in a family court type situation, um, it, it is a common occurrence of, you know, um, one party um, feeling um, obligated to perform sexual acts on their mm. husband and things like that. And and that sort of those sorts of allegations come out so often in affidavit materials for trials that. You know, it, it just shows, and, and people don't realise that they think, oh no, that does that's not DV, that's not domestic violence, that's mm. just husband and wife playing around in the bedroom. No, it's definitely but, domestic but violence. It, you don't force people to do things they don't want to. It's appalling. That's yeah, but, is, there, I mean, but there are plenty. Yeah. I, I but there are plenty of people who who actually don't realise that that is domestic violence, and so they seem to think that that's just, you know, it, well, there's plenty. Of, I, I remember one. One um, fellow, and I don't know whether he's being serious or just um, having a go, but he he was saying, "What's well, the wife's job? That's what I, you know, that's what I married her for." <laughs> like, I'm just, okay. Yeah, okay. I just it was um, one of those you know moments where you just go, oh, "Okay, right. Well, um, I don't think that you're going to do too well in the witness box if you're going to come up with <laughs> answers right. like that." Yeah, we yeah. we might just try and settle this one. Yeah, because that's right. You're I, clearly I think you're an going idiot. to be a bad witness. You might be a sexual bully, and you're an idiot. But, yeah. Um, okay. All right, um, so well, that's those are two pretty unpleasant things that we've yeah. talked about so far. Oh, they? look, they're all they're all unpleasant. Um, you know, there's yeah, damaging s- damaging people's property. Yeah. So okay. you know, say for example, you're in the house and um, wife's chucking a hissy fit. She you know puts holes through the wall. You know, that's that in, in particularly in front of um, the aggrieved, whether it be you know might be husband or mm. um, other wife or something, and. You know, you've you know, that crops up a lot. I, I, in my years of practice, um, I've seen many affidavits in which, you know, predominantly it's the wife has said, he didn't used to hit me, but he got so angry and he would punch a hole in the wall next to my head and things like that. Because, of course, we live in these houses with, you know, plasterboard walls or, and it's not that hard to knock a hole through them if you 
angry mm. enough and you, it's terrifying. Yeah. I must say that in the scheme of things and as people are listening to this, I think that what they're going to realise is that um, although what we have always thought are the most obvious cases of domestic violence are probably um, the the least amount of well, – it's if I could say it's the, the lesser potency of the level of violence mm. in a lot of these cases because um, I'm just thinking of my my more worst case types of um, domestic violence and they are more of the emotional abuse and coercive control yep. because they are the real uh, – and I'm not saying that phys- physical violence is not real violence because it obviously is, but what it is, it's – it has a lasting impact that affects people's mentality. Mm. It affects their mental health. It affects every aspect of their life. And it doesn't stop when the bruise goes away. Mm. And so um, one of the biggest ones that I've always seen is that depriving the person's liberty. So I've had... So how how would that show itself? Are we talking about people being chained up or what? Sorry. Well, well, yeah, not so much chained up, but... um, Sort of what, so, under this, the, so they try not to um, – so what they do is they will threaten um, that they will, you know, do something or, you know, we'll take, the, we'll take your child away if you try to leave me. Mm. So I had a case and it's actually happened – I've had two cases um, very similar. When the wife tried to leave the husband, the husband then rang the police and said, um, my wife is trying to kill herself. We need the ambulance and the police here. So then police and ambulance turn up and, of course, wife's not trying to kill herself. She's just trying to leave the relationship. And um, police and ambulance doing their bit, they say to the wife, you know, come on, you need some help and all that sort of stuff. She's like, no, seriously, I'm not going to kill myself. It's fine. Please just leave me alone. They don't believe her. So then they have her committed in a mental health facility for the next two weeks to check her out for psychological reasons. And that is one of the most appalling things I've ever heard. And it's happened like a similar, uh, there's somewhat similar circumstances in another more recent matter. But it happens um, to people and it's really, it's really terrifying to know that this sort of stuff happens. And but then trying to prove and try – because, of course, there's going to be people who are out there who, um, you know, maybe are trying to kill themselves. And so how does the police and the ambulance – how are they going to know? Yeah, the first responders are just going to have to make a very yeah. quick snap assessment. It's really about that person who's made those accusations. They've thought about that. That's a strategy. It's so manipulative. It's ridiculous. Okay, so – all right, so give me some other examples of things that might be considered to be domestic violence under the Act. Um, you know, threatening uh, to – Threatening to kill them, like verbal abuse, mm. things like yelling at them, yelling, you're useless, those sorts of things. There's a bit yelling, of belittling behaviours yeah, and things like that. You know, oh, and don't, your, your and don't forget, you know, Fido and little Mr. Tinkles or something, the, the, pet, the family pets can yeah. get drawn into this. That's right. People threatening to kick a cat or, or to throw the dog out into yeah. the road. These yep. are all things that we sadly see a lot yep. complained about. Sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not. I mean, ultimately, a judge will have to decide that, or in Queensland, typically, it'll be a magistrate mm-hmm. if it doesn't go in the family courts. Okay. Um, yeah, and we've got stalking and things like that, so monitoring. Yeah, we live in an age of um, smartphones and dumb operators, don't we? Yeah, we do. You know, it's very, you know, you see it all the time, people monitoring others' emails, um, 
and um, stalking yeah. and their you phones. You shouldn't and be reading other people's emails without their consent. No, you definitely really not. Shouldn't. doesn't matter what the situation is. No. And text messages, of course. Yep. Well, you let me, gosh. Because usually you've got the same Apple ID. And yep. so, and it's through the kids a lot of the time. Back like and forth and back and forth. Some of the text message conversations that you and I have seen, and every family mm. law practitioner, if anybody's listening to this, they, who practices in this area, will know what we're talking about. Hundreds, if not thousands of messages, you know, bombarding somebody, and it's absolutely overwhelming. And some of them could be really unpleasant. Mm. Well, my, my son, um, he sometimes gets my messages um, which I've said to him, like I've tried to, because we have the same Apple ID, so he's got his iPad and I'll have my phone, but it's got the same Apple ID. Yeah, so the messages will so, pop up on so it. So his stuff, and I'm like, keep trying to delete the message <laughs> app thing from his, from his iPad because he'll say to me, he goes, oh, this person, I'm like, Jack, stop it, you know. <laughs> so okay. anyway. Oh dear. Yeah. All right. Um, I should mention as well that all of these awful behaviours, you don't get around it by having somebody else do it on your behalf, do you? Nope. No. Um, that's, that's the short answer. No. No. So if, if you get a mate to do all this harassment, these behaviours, these mm. threats, you're just, just you're culpable for the domestic that's violence. Right. They, yep. they, they, they might commit a criminal offence, I don't know, but you're certainly culpable if you instigate yep. that, that pattern of behaviour. Arban Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Arban Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. So let's rattle through a little bit mm. as to what a domestic violence order is. So it's an what order. It it's an order made by the court to stop the threats or acts of domestic violence. Um, by the court in this context, when we're talking about it, court. magistrates' court of Queensland. Yep. Yeah, okay. So, um, and if you're in New South Wales, well, local courts will do the same thing. So, yep. but they call them apprehended violence orders, but same sort of diff. Yeah, DVO, AVO, all means the same, same thing. thing. So um, they can, those sorts of orders can stop you or stop the, the respondent, remember that's the person who is alleged to have committed the acts of violence, yeah. um, stop them from approaching you. Um, they, you know, it might be a, you can't come within 100 metres. They can have no contact orders. You can have, um, you know, there can be even ouster orders, meaning that they're going to have to live somewhere else. They can't return to your, so their a, home. a couple living together. One yep. commits domestic violence yep. and either the, the, the person who's been offended or the police take out or apply to the court and are granted an order, yep. regardless as to whether or not those facts have been found to be true or not, yep. somebody could be made to leave their home. That's right. And that happened to me fairly recently. Where um, I know. That's why I mentioned yes. it. Yes. Oh, that was, a, that was an interesting case, that one. Um, and I came back from court that day in an absolute outrage because um, whilst I am very, I'm a very strong supporter of, of um, you know, making sure that there's no like violence in the home, regardless of whether it's against a woman or against a man, it doesn't matter. Um, I also believe that when there is a um, a situation that has been um, been made up, um, and in this case, 
the aggrieved did make something up because she was having a, a mental episode. Right. Oh, she gosh. was she's so she's got mental health issues and she called the police and made a series of allegations, quite substantial. And of course when the police came around and woke the husband up and he didn't know what was going on and he had to get out of his his home and while it's all going on, um, a temporary order is made for him not to be able to go to his home. There was an exception there that he could go um, with escorted by a police officer to collect some of his stuff. But he had to go and live in, you know, in his car um, until such time as the matter came back before the court, all because of an allegation which the aggrieved has later then said, sorry, here's all my medical evidence. Um, you know, I'm... I was having a bit of a moment. I do apologise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's not. I'm not afraid. We want to be together. Um, and it's an absolute minefield, isn't it? Because there can ha- be yeah perfectly good reasons that you need to have somebody excluded from a home. Yeah, but the thing the thing that it, that annoyed me the most was that we had to sit through a um, this sort of counselling sort of session, and the woman said to my client, she said, "Oh, I want to talk to you about." The behaviours that you um, that you display that has caused you to have to be here today. So she's just assumed that yeah. what has happened is in fact it is the, the Monty truth. Python crucifixion scene that you see too many times. It's it was it was just mind boggling, and I just said, I, I just said no, 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 no. This is all this is all a complete misunderstanding in this case. And by all means, like that's a great service for people who, um, you know, obviously. There, there is some truth to the matter, but there's, but every case needs to be looked at very closely and scrutinised. You can't just take a broad, br- broad, um, brush approach and just say, right, we need to do it this way, and you need to come in and have this counselling just simply because someone makes an allegation. No, that's right. Um, so anyway, I don't even know what I was talking about before <laughs> that, but we were, <laughs> well, talking, we were talking about, about oh, that's right, the about Alster the terms. orders, the, the, the Alster Alster orders. orders. That's right. And so anyway, but fortunately, one thing that you should know is that if it's the case that there is a misunderstanding, and in this case, um, there are written exceptions that you can add to these orders. So, for example, you might have a no-contact order that's made against you, and it might be on a temporary basis. But what you can do, there's orders that say things, there's these written exceptions that say, except with the written, the prior written consent of the aggrieved, yeah. um, which can be withdrawn at any such time in the event she's fearful or, or he's fearful, you know, that they are fearful... Um, so, and that the consent can be oral or in writing and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, the sorry, the withdrawal of that consent can be oral or in writing. So, it does g- give the aggrieved a lot more power. Mm. But at the same time, if it's a legitimate um, misunderstanding, then that's a little way around it until such time as you can get through that process. Yeah, okay. So, let's, let's assume that, you know, you've experienced domestic violence and either... You've gone to the court and filled in the application form, which is a, it's just called a DV1. It's mm. a form available on the Queensland Court's website and you can contact the police and they'll talk you through the process too. And you fill in your form. Mm-hmm. It comes before a magistrate. Yep. They'll usually make a temporary order, mm. which isn't... No de- point trying to uh, oppose that. Well, you, you probably won't know about it. If you're the respondent oh, yeah, to the application, right, it it's before. going to be uh, done on what's called an ex parte basis, mm. in other words, without you being there. You'll be served with the order, if you're the respondent, by the police, mm-hmm. and it'll have a date and a time to go back to court. 
that's your first time that you're probably aware of this. And yep. it may have the conditions. The standard condition, of course, is simply that you good must behavior. be of good behaviour and not mm. commit domestic violence, yep. which is, it's it's broad enough to cover most things. Yep. And you shouldn't really need an order that goes above and beyond that. Mm. Sometimes applications and applicants and even um, whether they're police or individuals will add in things about no contact with children and magistrates are they're they're pretty well alive to the possibility that that could cause some difficulties for the children so they might say except if it's in compliance with either agreement or orders in relation to the children that then means that if you find yourself on the wrong side of a domestic violence order that stops you from having time with the children, then what you need to do is to file proceedings mm. in the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia to get parenting orders, which will then serve to get, protect you from any breach of that order. Sounds it's, it's very quick to say, it's very slow to do, yeah. unfortunately, and there can be some time lag in there. Whatever you do, don't breach the orders. No, because, because that becomes a criminal offence. Yeah, that's right, because... The, we have different standards of proof when we're talking about courtrooms. And in getting a protection order, the standard of proof is on the balance of probabilities. So a court's only got to be slightly more satisfied that the complainant, the, the aggrieved, the applicant, is telling the truth mm. and, there's an, and it's necessary and or desirable to make an order. That's right. And if they do that, then you're going to be stuck with you know, that is a, like a sort of Damocles over the respondent's head. Yep, for the next five years usually. Yeah, it changed from two uh, to yep. five years a, a little while back now. But um, yeah, a five-year protection order is the standard term that we see uh, imposed by courts now. So you might need to get those terms varied. That's right. So how do you how do you go about doing that? Let's assume There's that the court's made the orders five years and maybe you've said, do you know what, I don't mind. You can have your protection order, but I'm not admitting anything. So you can consent to it without admissions. And that's really important. Yeah. You need to make sure it's without admissions. And sometimes it is actually beneficial. If you've got ongoing um, family court, well, I always still call it family court, federal circuit family court proceedings, um, then it may not be in your interest to um, have a trial on these domestic violence issues because what's going to happen is that um, there'll be questions put to you about these um, about the violence that is alleged to have, have occurred. And um, those those answers are going to be taken as evidence and there are likely to be, have some findings of fact made in relation to those. Mm. And one thing that us family lawyers like to do is we like to get the transcript from those proceedings and we then use them. We like to show them to the other court. And we show them to the other court. And we, we do it for a couple of reasons. We do it because... And the, the biggest one is that there's often going to be inconsistencies in what you've said to one court. And this is not to say that you're lying. It's just, it, you you know, when you tell a story, you go go to the pub tonight. Actually, no, not tonight. Or any night. Um, go to the pub. Every tell night. Your mate, every night, whichever night. Go to the pub. Tell your mate a story about how your day went. Then go home and tell your spouse how your day went. And although both will be true... Both will be slightly different, and lawyers like to pick up. Probably wouldn't mention the girlfriend part to your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, of course. But the 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 point is that those those inconsistencies, lawyers love, you know, trying to trying to hook you on these little a um, a prior inconsistent statement. Yeah, love it because yeah, and there's going to be plenty of them. It's It's just it's just fodder, and then eye rolling time for a judge then, isn't it? And saying, I suggest you all step outside and see if you can't reach some compromise. That's right, because if nothing but 
um, those prior and consistent statements will usually rattle that person in the fe- in those federal circuit and family court proceedings because they're going to go, you know, well, I didn't mean to say it like this and they'll feel nervous and they'll feel anxious and then, then it, it sort of um, trips them up even more. So that for me is the biggest thing, regardless of the findings of fact. It's like, yeah, okay, well, this court's going to make their own findings anyway. But um, let's assume that we don't consent to the orders being made without admissions or any yep. in, in any other way. So there then has to be a hearing. Yep. I mean, the, there's protocols and processes along the way, and we won't talk about those too much, but no. basically it involves you swapping written evidence in yep. the form of affidavits. And if you don't compromise, you'll end up one day in front of a magistrate. Yep. And they will hear evidence from both sides. They'll mm-hmm. read the affidavits beforehand. Your lawyer will then have the opportunity to cross-examine any other witness, which will usually include the aggrieved and all the yep. respondent. And then the magistrate will weigh up the evidence, decides decide upon any findings of fact, as you say, make a decision about who's telling the truth, if there's a conflict, and then decide the orders. Mm. And if yep. you go through that process, as you said before, the finding of fact, that'll be a transcript that any mm. family lawyer will certainly want to get hold of. Because if there's a finding of fact made of unacceptable risk, for example, in relation to children and family violence, that will find its way into parenting proceedings um, quicker than Jack Robinson. It's going to be yep. super quick. Yeah. Okay, all right. So there are final orders made, but yep. sometimes life changes, circumstances vary, and you might want to change the orders. So how would you go about doing that? You need to file what's called an application to vary the domestic violence order. I don't know what number form it is, but it's you can get it from the court website or like the magistrate's court website, or you can just get it from the registry. Yeah, the registry being your local, basically the office attached to the side yeah, of the court. Yeah, there's usually a domestic violence, domestic and family violence registry within the magistrate's court registry. Yeah. So, or the court registry, um, I should say. And so you just get a copy of that form and fill it in. Um, it doesn't give you much room to say too much, but I always like to... Um, just say see an extra and then just give them everything. Yeah, Some, sometimes forms are a bit clunky and if you can put together your reasons in a very coherent statement, it's probably best just to pop that on the back as you say and say yeah. please refer to Annex Your A or whatever it might be. Can I just but say that it often doesn't really work that much unless, um, particularly if it's been consented to without admissions, mm. applying to vary the order isn't really going to work that often unless you've got the cooperation of the aggrieved named on the order yeah. or if there's some other mm. thing that makes it unworkable anymore. And it is the case sometimes that orders get made that, well, you, you mentioned one a short while ago, mm. that probably shouldn't have been made or there should have been, yeah. th- there should have been other terms put in them because you can find situations ridiculously where... A couple who want to be together are precluded yeah. by operation of law from being together. That's right. Even when there's actually been no finding of fact about yep. any Domestic Violence Act. Mm. And the problem with those things, and, and, and anybody listening to this might think that we're opposed to DVs, and we're definitely not. No. It's more about they need to be used for a proper purpose. That's right. Because otherwise it you know, devalues the currency of the orders that are really necessary. Yeah. Some people have s- dreadful situations they experience and they need to get a protection order and the police need to be aware of that situation because of safety I'd say, rules. yeah, and I'd say that more often than not that people are legitimate about the allegations of violence that have gone on. It's just unfortunate there's a couple out there that will ruin it for the rest of them. Yeah, um, that's right. It really does because it then puts, a, puts doubt over which one's... Who is telling the truth here? You know, this doesn't add up. 
And I think I so, said at the start as well that, look, a domestic violence order is, is and can be a very helpful mm. order, document. But if you have a violent ex-partner or somebody of that nature, you have a relationship with somebody who's very violent, yeah. you shouldn't rely upon purely a protection order because it is ultimately a piece of paper. That's right. You need to be contacting the police if you're ever in any danger or yeah. you're and, danger. And I think, too, um, with that, because... Unfortunately, as you just said, it is just a piece of paper and people are going to either comply with it or they're not going to comply with it. If they are that violent and that um, temperamental and, and that you know crazy, then a piece of paper is not necessarily going to deter them. No. So you do need to take additional steps. There are reasons that refuges exist, sadly. And and I and I um, wholeheartedly recommend that you get in contact with places like DVPC um, because they are you know and um, you know the helplines. There's men's helpline. There's also the women's helpline. There's a kids helpline. You know, if you're a child who is listening in the back seat of the car and mum mm. hasn't turned it down, not realizing what we're talking about today, and and you think that. This is something that you need to talk to someone about. There's kids' helplines too. So mm, it's really impor- important that you reach out and try and get some help and get that strategy in place to try and protect yourself and in if, addition to that yeah, order. If you need some help putting that plan together, then I, I urge you to contact DV Connect. Yep. They are um, an organisation really that really will help you. I've, so. I've had a couple of clients come through there and they they get you know they get you into a refuge. They get you – they are so good with um, – you know, helping you with things like making sure there's no tracking devices on your phone and your oh, car, yeah. all this sort of stuff. So I've had quite a few people um, in recent years that have fled um, domestic violence and come through DV Connect and um, they are just brilliant out there in terms of helping people saying just don't respond, turn your phone off, do yeah. this, do that, etc. So it's so DV Connect. Now, they've got a website, but if you if you're listening and you just want to get onto this straight away, they've got a phone number, which is 1-800-811-811. If you've got any worries about making a plan together for your safety, then give them a call. And if you're immediately under harm, of course, you just phone the police. That's right. Triple zero. Now, if you do have to move out, you might find yourself stuck for money. And you may be in a position to be able to go and seek some urgent and emergency assistance from Centrelink as well. But yep. pe- people at DV Connect and those sorts of organisations will point you in those directions. Yep. So, look, domestic violence is its a modern scourge. We hear a lot about it in the media. There are some tragic cases which we've all come across. Um, they sometimes have interacted with family law and sometimes not, but more often than not they do. It's where there are, you know, there are children involved, there are partners that have become estranged, there's a particularly violent person. Yeah. And they, so don't take don't take anything that we're saying, even if we're sometimes a bit lighthearted. We we clearly are very serious about this. And if you've got any concerns, please contact us. Or if you've any questions, please contact us. But not above the police and not above DV Connect. Your no. your solicitors can help you, but we are people that create documents and argue for your orders in court. Your emergency services will help protect you in that moment. Can on just on that other note about um, there is a charity that I'm heavily involved with, and that is called Walk with Us, um, and they provide meals to people who can't afford it, and they do a lot of fundraising to provide for people, and a lot of them come from domestic violence situations, and so um, if 
anyone who's listening wants to donate to Walk With Us, a charity, um, then please drop me a line and I'll let you know how you can do that. Um, alternatively, you know, if, you know, any of those uh, domestic violence charities out there, they always need some help. So, you know, yeah. if you've got some spare time, that'd be appreciated. Thanks very much for that. And listen, thank you very much for listening today. It's a massive topic and we've, we've barely scratched the surface of this and I'm sure that we'll talk again about some of the specific issues around, especially the interaction between family law and domestic violence, but that's probably for another day. In the meantime, thanks for listening to me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza, on Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good ones.